Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Life to Show, everyone. Byron White here with Suzanne. Suzanne, welcome. Thanks, Byron. Great to be with you. We're going to talk today about not only being a leader, but executive presence. Super excited to talk with you about your new book. Tell us, where did you land on this concept of the importance of executive presence, which I haven't seen anybody tackle before? How did you pull that rabbit out of your hat? Because it's fascinating. Well, thank you. You know, what was happening is when we went into organizations and we work with global companies and senior executives and high potential leaders, they would often ask us, can you work with a leader on executive presence? And our specialty is communicative leadership, so helping leaders communicate in a powerful way with their important audiences. And, you know, when we would ask them, tell us what you mean by executive presence, they would often say, I'm not sure, but I know it when I see it. (laughs) And, you know, that's the same thing that Justice Potter Stewart said about pornography in the 1960s. So, you know, it's a frustrating message to hear. When leaders get that kind of feedback, you need to work on your executive presence, they really don't know exactly what is meant. And so we thought, it was high time that we defined executive presence in a research-based way so that when leaders got that feedback, they would know what was meant by it. And so, you know, where it's often been thought about as presentation skill or polish or charisma or commanding the room, those partly describe it. So it's not as if we've had it all wrong. We just haven't had it quite right. And what we wanted to do is get at the deeper reasons why leaders should care about executive presence. In other words, why does it matter, not only to you and your career, but why does it matter to driving organizational performance? How does it help you influence and make an impact? So that's why we decided to take a research-based approach. And what we wanted to do, again, is just to give leaders good guidance. So it was guidance they could rely on as they developed as leaders. And that's really what all the leader you can be is about. Do you believe that leadership and this presence that you're describing is a genetic characteristic? (laughs) Or do you believe it can be or do you believe it can be learned and forged over time? Well, it definitely can be learned. And what I usually like to say to people is you're starting somewhere. So when we assess a leader in 15 qualities of executive presence from authenticity to confidence to composure to assertiveness and humility, when we assess them, what we learn is that we all have strengths that we often rely on in leadership, and we also have gap areas. But the good news is that you can close those gaps. Because what we're measuring is not whether you're authentic or whether you're composed in a crisis or whether you're assertive that you speak up and get your ideas on the table. What we're measuring is others' perceptions of your leadership. And what they're really looking at are behaviors, right? How does he behave or how does she behave in a certain situation? And you know what happens is a lot of times leaders just don't know how the behaviors 
they exhibit are coming across to other people. They may be unintended consequences. So what we're trying to do is just kind of shine a light on maybe small changes that you can make that would make a big difference in how you're viewed as a leader. But we've done extensive work now over the last three years using the model in coaching and leadership development. And what we've seen is enormous advances that leaders have been able to make simply by having the right information about how people see them. What impact can improving your executive presence have on your business? Yeah, well, let me give you an example or two. So let's say that you're a leader who is calm in a crisis and concerned about your people and, you know, everybody loves working for you and you have a lot of humility. You know, there's a lot of good qualities that you have that have made your organization great, that have created an environment where people want to come to work every day. But let's say at the same time that your organization needs direction. Maybe you're facing some headwinds. Perhaps there are competitive pressures. And what you need to do is not only develop a plan, but have a vision for the organization that people can really get behind. Maybe that's a quality that you haven't developed yet, the ability to paint an inspiring picture of what could be and engage others in something exciting. As you develop this skill, as you become better and better at articulating a powerful vision for the organization and sharing that with people and helping them appreciate how they can apply their talents to the effort, what happens? Well, not only do you get people aligned around a common goal, moving faster in a direction that will help transform your business, you're also increasing engagement at the same time. So even though you've been a pretty solid manager and leader, somebody people enjoyed working for, now they're excited because they see that they're on a train that's going somewhere, and they want to be part of that. Hmm. Do you think that there are significant flaws in some leaders that are just playing hard to change, and, and how long does that change have to shape itself? Is it months? Is it weeks? Is it days? Is it just people often being unaware of some of their flaws in their in their executive presence. Well, how big of a deep deep rooted problem is this? Well, the awareness is the key. So, Byron, you're right about that. That the first step really is just to understand how others are perceiving our behaviors, and then to be able to do something about it. It doesn't mean that change is always easy. Some of the research shows that it takes the average person around six months to make significant changes in behaviors, right? Because you have to start small and try new things and you're experimenting a little bit and you're going to have setbacks. You're not always going to remember what you intend to do, but eventually those efforts become habits and people also notice and appreciate the changes that you're making. So I always say to leaders we're working with, no matter what we're working on is this one might be harder for you, right? It's not a muscle that you've exercised, but that doesn't mean you can't develop it. And, you know, just give you an example of a small change that I've seen a number of leaders make, and it actually falls in the category of integrity, which is in the character dimension of executive presence. So integrity, you know, it's what you think of as being morally upright, doing the right thing when nobody's looking, but integrity is also the way we measure it, behavioral integrity. And what I mean by that is, do you keep your promises? Do you say what you said you'll do? And an example of that would be, Let's say you've gotten busy, you're traveling a lot, and you haven't been able to have as many meetings with your direct reports as you'd like to. And in fact, you're canceling them. Well, 
your assumption is they understand that you're busy and you're working hard for the enterprise and they'll understand and you'll catch up with them when you can. However, they may be interpreting that very differently. They may be interpreting that as a leader who isn't organized, who can't keep her appointments, who isn't respectful of their time, who isn't interested in what's going on with them. And I know most of the listeners right now can probably relate to this in one way or another, either You've done it before yourself, or you've had a boss who was like that. So that's what I mean by the difference between our intentions as leaders and others' perceptions. Sometimes small changes can make a big difference in the impact that you have on others, the credibility you have, the trust you build, and your ability to execute by mobilizing others to do the work of the organization. In the book, you get into uh, a wonderful part three, how to get there. And I notice you distinguish between executive presence for seniors versus high potentials versus women versus diversity. How did you figure that all out? And how would the strategy change from, say, a senior leader to versus a, a, a woman that's trying to enhance their executive presence? Well, it all begins with having knowledge again. So one thing I think it's very important for every leader to appreciate is we're all different. We all have our own strengths. We all have our own opportunities for development. And although the book, All the Leader You Can Be, certainly offers suggestions to people about what they can do if, you know, they're a senior leader, a woman, or whatever, it really starts with your own individual blueprint. And what I mean by that is, you know, think about how every snowflake is different, every leader is different, and every situation is different. So even a leader who has a similar XPI, Bates XPI profile, in a different company with a different role might need to take different actions to develop as a leader. And I only hesitate to give a lot of broad brush advice because I am concerned that what goes on in many organizations is that they treat groups of people like they're all the same. All the women in your organization don't need the same kind of development. All the high potentials in your organization don't need the same kind of development. The senior leaders in your organization have different development needs as well. You know, the most important thing to remember is that you also are responsible for your own path of development, and you have to take that into your own hands. You have to ask for coaching. You have to ask for assessment. You have to ask for advice. You have to find your own mentors because ultimately your success depends on what you invest in your leadership development. What kind of feeling do you get when you take your presence to the next level? Are you more empathetic with people around you, or do you just feel better about your day because you're practicing things that you've been told work really well? You should be noticing a real difference in the way people are interacting with you. You should be noticing a difference in attitude, motivation, excitement, engagement, and in getting things done. So depending on what you're working on, it's a good feeling. Self-efficacy, they call that, right? I can uh-huh. do this. I know how to do this. I can attack this problem. I've been here before. I know how to do this. Uh-huh. But it's more than that. It's more than self-efficacy. It's, <clears throat> you're going to notice a change in the behaviors of the people around you. So, for example, let's say you're working on intentionality, which we talk about as being able to clarify direction for people, to keep people's actions on track, 
to get a conversation going that doesn't stifle debate but also makes it clear to everybody who's accountable, what they are supposed to deliver, when, and what the deadlines are. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of very creative leaders who struggle with that. So what difference might you notice if you're working on intentionality and you're successful? Well, perhaps you start simply by organizing your meetings differently so that the last 10 minutes of every meeting are devoted to making sure you're all aligned, that everybody knows their role, that everybody understands why we're doing what we're doing, but also what we're going to do and when it will be done. You should see almost an immediate change in people's attitudes and energy. And you should also see more productivity pretty soon because people want that direction. They're actually asking for that direction from you. And they're also noticing that you're handling things differently, which creates a new expectation. So there are some small changes that you can make that are going to make a a more immediate impact than others. And as I say, once you start down that path, once you make that change, once you devote, in this case, every 10 minutes at the end of a meeting to being intentional about making sure everybody is on board and aligned, then within weeks you should see more is getting done, that people feel better about it, that they have clarity, that they're better able to set priorities, that they're having better, higher quality conversations with you. Let's take a break, everybody, and talk about constellations when we return. And you'll understand that when we come back. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on. Interact with expert speakers at informal networking events and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th, Conversion Conference last year sold out fast and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Suzanne, welcome back. appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks, Byron. Really have enjoyed our conversation. Yes, I'll keep challenging you. Don't you worry. I wanted to ask you about the XP assessment. I, I really love that approach of looking at someone's character versus substance versus style. And I just want to read a little bit of 
some of those characteristics that are in that test and, and, and ask you how critical it is. But so under character, we have, you know, authenticity, integrity, concern, restraint, humility. Under substance, we have practical wisdom, confidence, composure, resonance, vision. Under style, we have appearance, intentionality, inclusiveness, interactivity, assertiveness. So people are now getting a sketch, at least, for these three components. What are your thoughts on that assessment, and where did it come from? What are the roots of that, and, and do you use it with your own assessment when you when you help people, when you coach people? Yes, well, we started very intentionally with the idea that we were going to create a science-based assessment so that we could be sure the advice we were giving leaders on executive presence was sound and actionable. And so we drew upon a review of a lot of the business and management literature. We had a lot of interviews with leaders and leadership experts, and we did additional interviews with subject matter experts. And then we also conducted an extensive review of theory and empirical studies in management, communication, psychology, social action theory, philosophy, ethics. Why did we cast such a broad net? Well, the listeners who just heard you read that list of qualities of executive presence are are probably wondering, where did you get those? Where did those come from? It came from a really thorough review of the research. And what we were trying to understand is how leaders engage, align, inspire, and move people to act. That's the definition of executive presence in all the leader you can be. So when we measure these qualities in the XPI, the Bates Executive Presence Index, what are we measuring? Again, we're measuring perceptions of your behaviors. And each of those qualities that you talked about, the 15 qualities of executive presence are pretty nuanced. So we took a lot of care not to just look at, let's say, assertiveness one way, but what are all the ways that senior executive leaders successfully exhibit assertiveness. So assertiveness is not only getting your ideas on the table, it's also making room for positive conflict. In other words, allowing people to disagree, but disagree agreeably, so that it's a productive conversation. So you might... Uh, go through the Bates XPI assessment and be kind of flat on assertiveness. Somebody might say, well, you know, I, I think he's pretty good at getting his ideas on the table. He speaks up, he speaks his mind, but I sometimes don't feel great about the debates we have, that either we are avoiding conflict altogether or the conflict goes negative. So that's the kind of detailed feedback that we wanted to be able to give leaders when when they complete an assessment like this so that they can have with pinpoint accuracy a clear idea of precisely the skills and behaviors they need to change in order to be more effective. I was wondering if you could look at two extreme leaders for me for a second and the characteristics of each and tell me if this is real and happens in the world as I see it and what the balance is between the two and how your book might help. So in my opinion, there there are leaders out there that lead with what I call brute force. You know, they have super strong personalities, and they are the my way or the highway type of people. On the opposite extreme, we have more visionary leaders that are goal-dependent but rely upon core values 
you know, understood by the community to elevate, motivate people. These are just two examples, but can you tell me the distinction? Do you agree with those are certainly a couple of different personalities you've seen? And if so, how does the book help them? Is the, is the goal to move them into the center or move them to another way of working? Is there one defined way in your mind that, that a leader should act? Maybe you could wrestle with those 17 questions I just asked you right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are all great questions and happy to talk about those a little bit further. So those are two types of leaders we run into, without a doubt. And they have been successful up to a point uh-huh. with those strengths, haven't uh-huh. they? They've uh-huh. gone a long way in their careers by relying either, as you say, on the, the more driving qualities of executive presence. And I would say your first example is a leader who's confident, self-assured in decision-making, taking action, ready to accept the risk and responsibility. That leader is probably assertive. You know, we've talked about assertiveness. Appearance is another one of the qualities in style, and appearance isn't just what you're wearing to work every day. It's Mm -hmm. whether you show up vigorous and Mm -hmm. prepared and ready for the game. So that's the leader you just described. Mm -hmm. That's great to a point, but now that leader has, has moved on to a bigger stage, in a bigger role where it absolutely is essential for that leader to be able to include more people in a dialogue uh-huh. and to you know, promote a more interpersonal style of dialogue that gets uh-huh. people engaged and involved uh-huh. and maybe is developing a little more humility, more aware of his or her strengths uh-huh. and you know, kind of believing other people have <clears throat> ideas too. So if that leader does not develop those qualities, at a certain point he or she is going to plateau. So there's no one way to be a great leader. There are lots of ways to be a great leader. But as we grow, as we move ahead in our careers, what we absolutely do have to do is have more of these qualities at our disposal, if you will, in situational leadership. So it may be fine to make timely decisions and and drive forward at some points, but it's not always what's required of us. Uh-huh. And you know, this similar. You know, the other the other example you gave is same thing. You know, that leader also is going to reach an inflection point, and is going to need to get more of these qualities and skills into his or her arsenal. Huh. Wanted to ask about storytelling and your observations with so many leaders you've met. Are most of the leaders that you've met with good storytellers, and how important is story to leadership? Well, storytelling is a very, very important skill in leadership, and it is somewhat misunderstood. Storytelling is not what you learn necessarily around the dinner table, you know, if your family was, a, you know, had a lot of humor and great stories, although that could be helpful because you tend to look at the world in kind of episodes and be able to relate those to other people. But storytelling and leadership, it should really be about imparting the lessons that have shaped you and made you the leader you are, and helping others to connect with you and relate to you and also learn from you. So I often, when we teach storytelling in our Speak Like a CEO boot camp, we teach a very specific process. It's a six-step process for finding and developing your own stories. And what we teach is how to make a point with that story that's relevant to the audience in two or three minutes. So, you know, a lot of us have sat in the audience and we've listened to leaders tell stories and it's like, yeah, that was kind of entertaining, but what was the point? Uh So we have to learn how to make a point with stories. And it connects very directly in the executive presence model to authenticity, the quality of being real, sincere, transparent, 
and genuine with others, but also revealing more of ourselves. And when we look at all 90 items on the test, that item, sharing the life lessons that have shaped us, is 89 out of 90. In other words, it was the second lowest overall in the historical data. So that tells me that leaders have a lot of work to do in learning how to share more of themselves in a way that is enabling others to connect with them. Work environments are changing. A lot of open floor plans, perhaps less confidentiality, less closed-door meetings, maybe more group meetings, maybe stand-up meetings. How has that changed leadership in your mind? Well, yes, you're right. I mean, the work world does seem to be going in that direction. I think there's probably going to be a pendulum swing back today because you know, not necessarily related to our topic today, but it's very, very difficult for people to focus in an environment where distraction is already high. But having said that, I think part of the reason that that's happening beyond the efficiency of the workplace is because there is a greater value today on openness, on transparency, on a more interpersonal style of dialogue, a little more conversational, a little less hierarchical. So it's all part of that movement, and a lot of that is good. It's really good stuff. So how does that affect leadership? Well, what it means is that leaders need to learn how to connect with people, walk around the office, have a conversation, include other people in the dialogue. That's interactivity and inclusiveness in the model, and concern, too. You know, how to just ask somebody in an informal way, not in a performance review but just in a formal way, hey, how are you doing? What are you, what are you working on now? What would you like to be learning? Is there a project you'd like to get engaged in? So that style of leadership plays very well, and it goes to the heart of employee engagement, attracting and retaining great talent, all the things that companies are struggling with right now. So many of these can be addressed if leaders learn to communicate in a less hierarchical and more interpersonal way. Two final questions for you. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Well, thank you. We work with senior executives and high potential leaders in every industry all over the world, so pretty wide open, and we have a lot of ways of working with people. So we provide executive coaching, but we also have open enrollment programs that you can attend. We have a Speak Like a CEO boot camp. We have an executive presence mastery program. And we do these programs inside companies for groups and teams as well. And we do consulting with CEOs and senior leadership on communication and leadership team effectiveness. So really, you know, any leader who is, you know, feeling like this topic is resonating for them, we'd love to talk with them and and, and or human resources because we know that they do a lot of the leadership developing development planning and they're our partners in the process as well. And how can someone get a hold of you? Well, our website is bates-communications with an S.com. So that's B-A-T-E-S-communications.com. And phone number is 781-235-8239. And if I might add, you might also be interested in taking a pre-assessment questionnaire. It's complimentary. That's on the new book website. So the new book website is alltheleaderbook.com. That's alltheleaderbook.com. And when you go there, you'll find on the front page a survey you can click on. And what you'll get back when you complete that very short three- or four-minute assessment is 
what kinds of qualities of executive presence might be relevant for you to be focusing on right now, given your role, your responsibilities, some of the challenges you're facing in your business imperative. So it's a really fun, as I say, pre-assessment that might help you understand what the value of going through a base XPI assessment would be for you. Have you ever invited employees of leaders to go fill out some sort of questionnaire and test and then blindly send that to the leaders that they're working for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not a big believer in offering unsolicited advice, so I probably (laughs) wouldn't do that. (laughs) But I would say, in all seriousness, Byron, I think one of the qualities that I have found across the board in great leaders is that they welcome feedback. Not only do they welcome it, they solicit it. So, you know, one thing I would say to those of you who are listening is that it isn't always easy to ask for feedback, which is why formal feedback in the form of an assessment like the Bates XPI is so valuable. It gives people a language and structure for offering you their view. You know, it's just, you know, from their seat, what are they seeing? And when you put that together into a report and you see some of the trends, it's really empowering. Mm-hmm. And when you make the decision to go back to those folks who have rated you or participated in an assessment like that and make it safe for them to have a conversation, what you're just really interested in developing and improving and getting better, and that actually models the behavior that you want to encourage throughout the organization. So uh, modeling that for others, soliciting feedback, accepting it, and doing what you can with it, models a behavior that can be transformational for an organization. Suzanne, it's been great having you on today. Thanks very much. Thanks, Byron. Pleasure indeed. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and ready for to take your leadership to the next level. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.